Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. We are your hosts, James and Anthony. In this episode, let's talk about 21st century westerns with special guest Justin Tate. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. It's time to talk about a genre we haven't really touched on that much, but we adore westerns. And specifically contemporary modern-day westerns, 21st century westerns, because so many have been made. But also we'll dabble into, like, what is a western? And we're joined by Justin Tate. Welcome to the show, pal. Huge influencer on TikTok, Instagram. You make awesome content. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm good. We're Just great. Go ahead, go ahead and talk into that mic. Yeah, get in there. Okay. Tell us about yourself, man. Mike. Yeah. What's your favorite color? Uh, blue. <laughs> uh, I like long walks on the beach. I'm a Sagittarius. Perfect. Sag. <laughs> Pisces. Yes. Oh. Tell us about your uh, your social media. Um. Well, that that whole thing ended up coming to be. Uh, I wasn't really a big social media guy. Uh, in fact, at all, really. And then I made a western. I'm wearing the shirt right now. You can't see. It's a little chilly in here. It says crew, but it says the awful kind on the back. He dressed up and everything. He's got yeah. the hat. He's yeah. got the boots. Love it. got Love the it. boots. And I got a tombstone belt buckle. We should have dressed up. Come God damn it, on. And so I made this Western and I shot it all in one take. It's 22 minutes. I shot the whole thing in one take. Wow. Impressive. Um, yeah, we rehearsed it for a month. I had like nine of my friends, you know, some of the most talented people that I know and put them in this thing and wrote parts for them and... But then it was like the world shut down and I had this movie and we went through the, 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 the festival circuit and I, I had spent almost $3,000 submitting it to festivals. I spent $30,000 that I raised myself and sold my car to finish it. Wow. And we had Paramount was, did all the post-production work on it. The, the color house was Light Iron, who does like David Fincher's movies. I was literally in the editing bay. So over lockdown, did you begin your TikTok? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, have, you make great content, yeah. super creative, lots of What's like, your handle for everyone here? At uh, Justin Tate, T-A-I-T-E. Um, Filmmaker turned content creator. Yeah. Well, it was an, uh, an actor originally. So it was uh-huh. like I was sponsored into the country for acting. And then, um, where are you from? I'm from Canada. For- oh. Foreigner. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and then I got hey. expelled from that school uh, because I started training with another guy who I guess there was bad blood in the past with this guy in that school. Um, and he was Benicio del Toro's teacher. And I met <sighs> Benicio and like had conversation with him and learn. It was like, it was unbelievable. You know, Lawrence Fishburne came in and would watch our class. I mean, Jason Momoa was one of the other students. Um, I felt like I got my acting black belt when I walked out of that situation. And then when I go into the real world, it was like everybody's doing YouTube and shit. And I was like, what? I've just been working on plays, you know, for the last four years, like Tennessee Williams. And I I was curious how I was going to be able to integrate, right? Like... Uh, fast changing it was new the kind of content i mean we had what different apps what was it back then vine was was popular well that's why they they had all blown up on led to tiktok now yeah and but vine was not monetized so no one was earning money off of vine but they could they were making money off brands and everything vine wasn't wasn't making money if they they connect on youtube then the youtube would make them the money they all started yeah yep so that was i was like essentially shown the ropes from these people like brought into this world. And I guess once the pandemic hit and I had this movie, I I swore to myself, I was like, I need my own audience. I will never, ever, ever again put all of my resources into something that I love as much as I do 
and not have an outlet for it. But we're yeah. we're in pre-production on our own short film, and we've realized because we're looking through all of the casting sites, and as we're looking through thousands and thousands of photos of mm-hmm. profiles, headshots of actors, and we've there's so many mm-hmm. actors that it seems like the best way to go about approaching that industry is making your own content. Yes. Yeah. I would tell anybody that. I get hit up every day by hundreds of people asking me, I want to be an actor. I love your channel. What do I do? Do what I'm doing. Yeah, content. I'm doing it. But you're cool because your content is so unique. No one does it like you, the way you edit or you edit yourself into scenes. Like I think Uh my favorite video you've done is you edit yourself into the bar scene in The Shining. (laughs) Jack talking to Lloyd. It's really great. It's so seamless. You do a great job with the green screen. It looks super real. And I think that stuff's so fun and it plays. But like building Mm -hmm. an audience is so important. If you're making content, like we're making a short film and we wouldn't have done this like two years ago without an audience. You know, we built this audience. We have the freedom to do what we want. Now we have an audience that will check it out because yes. they love us so much. And they love yes. the show. And that's such a huge pull for if we try to get into a festival, we try to get a, a, a sponsorship from a studio or try to buy it from us. Like we have a built in audience, which is really important. And like, yeah. the, I, like we were looking through the acting reels and actors mm-hmm. headshots, there's thousands and it's like. The way to stand out is to make content and to like do something creative. I think I lo- yeah. I've looked through eight thousand um, profile like actor headshots in the last two days. About yeah, it's 8, like 000. you've been going through your grinder account. I yeah. feel like I'm on. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm on a dating app. Honestly, it feels, it feels like a dating app yeah. in a lot of ways. I I feel that. Congratulations on the success and finding an audience. It's awesome. So cool. But let's talk about the westerns, guys. The westerns. I, I love the genre. Westerns were one of the first movie genres that I really fell in love with. If you remember, Jim. Because Ben Ugly. Yeah, when I, was, when I was like 17, I watched like every old Western I could find. He had a movie basement. And he was obsessed with Westerns. <laughs> every month, there was a different genre. Yeah. He spent like 29 hours watching yeah. every Scorsese movie straight. I did, I did. I did. I watched like every Woody Allen movie. I watched like every French New Wave movie. It I went Anthony's I, movie yeah. basement. <laughs> wow. but, the, but the Westerns were a big one for me. And obviously, the, some of the Italian directors made, obviously, some of the best ones and the good bad the ugly i think is the the epitome of the genre and is the yes. true masterpiece and greatest of all time but there's so many great films being made nowadays mm-hmm. it's obviously not as strong of a genre it doesn't have the pull that it used to there's a mm-hmm. time in hollywood where it was the western decade and there were westerns coming out because the italian f- filmmakers made so many great ones then hollywood copied them and in the 60s was full of westerns it's like superheroes today everyone's exactly. making westerns but nowadays like the western genre has become a, a like a blend of other genres as well, where you have like No Country for Old Men is a Western. Yes. Hell or High Water is a Western. Yes. It doesn't have to be cowboys. It doesn't have to be, you know, stick them up in the, in the wild, wild west. It Mandalorian's be, a Western. Mandalorian's a Western. So I like how the idea of the Western and the genre has evolved into a lot of things. And now mm-hmm. I think that contemporary filmmakers are showing that love they have of Westerns with mm-hmm. their new movies. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. even Star Wars, the first Star Wars, New Hope, that's The Searchers. You know, yeah. the first act is a Western. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the whole movie is like beat for beat The Searchers with John Wayne. It's like, it's the same thing. In Harrison Ford's autobiography, he referred to Star Wars as the space Western. Yeah. He hated it. <laughs> he, he hated it. He hates everything he, got, he, he got, does. He got paid. He likes though. the money, though. He <laughs> yeah. likes the money. He hated <laughs> they, asked, they gave me a check. <laughs> uh, but you, I, I noticed, like, for me, I feel like anything modern days uh, nowadays is, is a Western if I get that shot from behind the hip kind of leone i'm like okay i see what they're doing here right but it's become so nuanced where it's it's evolved just from the american midwest the southwest Mm -hmm. to 
to now it's in Australia with movies like The Proposition. That was a great movie. Yeah. Uh, we're in contemporary settings, Hell or High Water, No Country for Old Men, mm-hmm. even 21st century settings. I mean, Logan, technically, you can look at it as a bit yeah. of a Western in a lot of times. And there's, I would say it there's was. There's so yeah. many, like, I think I have a bullet point list of, like, ideas and, and themes that, like, Let's hear it. a Western. I love your list. So, like, what defines a Western? I, I've spent a lot of time on this. Uh, Obviously, a story set in the American West or Southwest, but we've seen, like I said, new contemporary takes in different countries and locations. Usually the 1850s to 1900s, max, with plenty of references to the Civil War. Civil War is always a theme. Yes. Uh, we have an, an untamed frontier. We have, like, a, a different kind of hero. It's the anti-hero became really popular in Westerns. We see that in all the common ones mm-hmm. that are made today. Got to have cowboys of some kind. Got to have outlaws and criminals, lawlessness, sheriffs, men, sheriffs and lawmen, uh, indigenous people of a country or location for sure, a treasure or loot. What are these robbers stealing? Bounties and bounty hunters. Mm-hmm. Horses. You got to have horses or hell and high water. Yeah. We also have some cool Vehicles, cars yeah. mm-hmm. um vast landscapes vengeance desperation are major themes mm-hmm. we got revolvers handguns shotguns duels mexican standoffs are super important as well we also have usually a bartender or a hotel manager who either wants no trouble or we don't want your business around here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got some romance moral ambiguity for the characters and also a cultural separation of both east and west and north and south but what's interesting is uh the western storytelling for films it, it basically draws from uh what it was like before the film was even invented and uh, assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford what andrew dominic did a great job doing was showing how these people who were alive they were like legends of their day and they were like their stories were myths and there were books written about them and they're short stories written about him like there's a kid who's obsessed with jesse james and he has like all the stories about jesse james and jesse james is alive it's not like he's a guy from 200 years ago and so their stories of these outlaws and famous men were being told in their heyday as well and i think that's a movie really it shows like the true nature of storytelling and how it evolved from these little short story books and novels about the accounts of these famous people and now western films basically do the same thing and create these stories mostly fiction but sometimes based on reality and real events. I was in that movie. No you way! You were in that movie! Wh- which part? Uh, so I auditioned for the part Jesse where the James. guy gets... Yeah, right. <laughs> Brad Pitt was... You were not right you behind were, Brad. Brad Pitt. So check this out. So I auditioned for the guy who's on the train who Brad Pitt hits with the butt of his uh-huh. pistol. Gotcha. During the robbery? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't get that part, um, but something happened with casting. I was a teenager at this point. I think I was like 18. I was working at Blockbuster. I'd been there for a year. And what an old <clears throat> sentence. I know. Trust me. Yeah. Old timey sentence. Oh my God. Back at Blockbuster. What is Blockbuster? I remember casting, it hit me up, and they were like, we fucked up. We, we screwed up somewhere with casting, and, and we, we, we want to give you an opportunity to be in Jesse James, but like as an extra or something, right? And I was like ecstatic, and I got my. My friend who I worked at Blockbuster with, I got him hooked up with it, too. It was me and Dave. We're going, you know, we're going to be in Blockbuster crew. Yeah. And I'll never forget. We pulled up. So I wish I'd known more about like DPs back then because Roger Deakins. Yeah. If I had known I was in front of Roger Deakins at the time (laughs) I was in front of Roger Deakins. I'm going to Tarantino the story a little bit here. Uh I wouldn't have got kicked off the set. Ah. (laughs) Okay, so this is what happened. I was super jazzed about this. We go there, and my hair was all dyed black. I was just like, I don't know, going through a phase or whatever, you know? Emo, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, I remember we pulled up, and it like in my memory, it reminds me of like that scene in Hook when he opens up the, the, the sheet, and it's like all of a sudden he's in pirate land, and everybody's doing their thing. We got out of the 
crew um, van, it like opened up and it was this winter Colorado and it was like a million dollar set and people were like cooking meat on like sticks on fucking fire pits and shit. And it was like a village was like happening. It was breathtaking. And um, I didn't know at what point in the movie we were at, obviously, because I, I didn't know what the movie was, right? In retrospect, so it was when Casey Affleck is like going through the town and we're seeing mm-hmm. that last little bit before he gets killed. I would have been in the movie about, I would say, five seconds prior to the two guys following Casey Affleck. They crossed me on camera at one point because we kept having to redo the thing. They crossed me on camera and I saw them go into the thing and that's where they shoot him, right? So I would have been in that section if I was anywhere. But what happened was is they had given me these really ratty clothes and I was obsessed with like backstories and like, you know, figure out who, who this guy was. The day player backstory. Yeah. <laughs> Not even. I'm an extra. This is If somebody did this on my set, I'd fucking kill them. So, That's my motivation for walking yeah. across the street. Oh, Andrew, Andrew, come here. Yeah, so it started off, I was like selling barrels to, to other extras while we were in the middle of a take, right? Because I had done that on another movie and they bumped me up. And they were like, whoa, none of that. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> So I had found a bottle of liquor, a fake bottle of liquor in one of the tents or whatever. And um, my guy was like all ratty. I had these really shitty clothes on. And I was like, yeah, I'm the town drunk. Like, it's obvious, right? <laughs> so I'm doing the, the thing. I'm doing my best like Jackie Chan, you know, drunken master. And Casey Affleck and Zoe Deschanel are like walking towards me. And, and me and Dave wanted to get in the shot, right? So we like get close to them. I slipped. <laughs> And landed on Casey Affleck right in front, like on his foot. Oh my god! In the take, and it was so it was mortifying. Um, I could feel the energy. I could feel everything was all messed up. Uh, we end up going to uh, it was we were cut for um, lunch or whatever, right? I'm having cake in this tent, and Casey Affleck's assistant was like, "Casey doesn't want his cake. Does somebody?" Does somebody want it? And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll have that, <laughs> right? And I could tell, like, the way he looked. I'm like, oh fuck, he remembers. <laughs> he knows it's me, dude. So I'm having the cake. Um, I got told. So it wasn't until the next day, because I thought I was in their shit books. And then we ended up shooting this scene, and it was like 48 takes. I guess Zoe Deschanel couldn't get her lines out, and the the scene the the scene's not even in the movie. It's in the trailer. Mm-hmm. It's not in the movie. And we're walking in the back. It's like probably midnight. It's so cold. It was the night I learned negative 40 Fahrenheit is negative 40 Celsius. <laughs> so we're out there for three hours in like awful extra wardrobe, like freezing our asses off, saying watermelon to make it look like we're talking or whatever, you know. And uh, that's what they tell you to do. You know, watermelon. 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 Marshmallow. Oh, my God. So um, they liked me because I ended up like – you know, hold, sticking it out. And I'm yeah, like, no, man, like, I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm in this take, man. I'm going to fucking show up. Anyway, I got a, I got hit up the next day and they said that they had reviewed, I guess they had reviewed the dailies or whatever. And there was too much of a resemblance between me and Brad Pitt. So I wasn't allowed back on set. Too he's, good looking. He's, too, too yeah, good looking. I guess, right? He's dead in the movie it and might, had yeah. dark facial hair and everything. Yeah, I, it might yeah. be distracting for the audience. Like, oh, is that Brad Pitt? They right. might all think if, right. with dim lighting and, and you're not like close up. Like you yes. can't tell. 
So because he has yeah about the same length hair you have yeah, for a beard. Same, that. Yeah, it, it was really yeah. problematic. So this was, I think this was like two thousand four. I believe two thousand came out in two thousand six. I think yeah. yeah it took so long. It took so long for that movie to come out. Um, I uh, um, I was supposed to be in some kind of interior scene the next day that was being shot in a military base like close to where I grew up, and. Um, yeah, they told me not to show up. And it was such a pain in the ass because I was my buddy's ride. So I had to fucking drive him to the set and then leave. Damn. And it was like, oh, my God. And I was like literally never on another set until probably five or six years later. Uh, Damn. 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 It's a great movie, though. What uh, I, I love Roger Deakins. He's, oh, he's an amazing cinematographer. He made that movie look so incredible. It's, it's a ridiculous he didn't win an Oscar for that. It's ridiculous he hasn't won an yeah. Oscar for every movie he's ever photographed. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Nuts. But this one is beautiful because he used a lot of old-fashioned cameras too at the same yeah, time. Yeah, speaking of well. that the, film, the, the lenses, eye, they're yeah. using a lot of great old lenses and it mm-hmm. really f- makes you feel like the time period more than any other film. Yes. And that's an epic. That movie's yeah. an epic. It's really long. Not a lot of people can like sit through that entire movie. It's not, I think it's yeah, beautiful. It's not a it's typical a Western film. because it's not like action scenes. There aren't a bunch of shootouts. And the shootouts are... They're choreographed in a way that feels realistic and authentic to like real life, as opposed to trying to be dramatic. Mm-hmm. And I think that authenticity of like what a real shootout would be like. People are, you know, that bedroom shootout. Remember yeah. with Renner? Yeah. Like they're all hiding behind furniture, yeah. and it's like it felt like they I've never seen their guns. Yeah, yeah, I had never seen a western shootout like that before, mm-hmm. and so I saw that. I was like, this movie is very different for the genre. Versus like Three Ten to Yuma, great oh remake. God, I love yes. this movie. The shootouts are insane. There's yeah. like a thousand bullets sprayed yeah. in the third mm-hmm. act of the film. Mm-hmm. I love that because it's a remake, but we have. Have you know Christian Bale and Russell Crowe, Ben Wade, like one of the coolest movie villains of all time. Yeah. yeah. So like a great shootout film, and then other movies but, with like but, shootouts. Three Ten Yuma, it's so dr- brilliant because James Mangold changed the ending mm-hmm. in the original film. They both get on the train together and ride away happily. That was in the original. In the original. Oh, I and never then saw the, the original. It, but then in the new film, mm-hmm. because they Mangold was like genius idea of like, what if Christian Bale's character he gets shot. And he's dying, mm-hmm. and then Ben Wade gets on the train alone solemnly after he kills his gang, mm-hmm. and then he just leaves. And he still, he he voluntarily goes to prison to respect and honor the man who did all this. Sentence twice, escape twice. Yeah, escape twice. So oh, he'll, like he'll escape, but like he did it out of respect. That makes sense. Yeah. To like, I'm gonna turn myself in and let myself go to prison because after he just did all this. But like that was not the original ending. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's but not cool. every Western needs shootouts, doesn't need guns. I mean, There Will Be Blood is technically a Western. It fits yes. a lot of the protocols for a Western. Uh, we're in the contemporary set. I mean, that setting of the desert and vast landscapes, but we have great themes of vengeance and greed and just great characters with Daniel Plainview, for sure. And then, But a Django Unchained, that's a Western with a ton oh, of gunfire, yeah. but like a different kind of Western we've never really seen before following an escaped slave versus a lot of Westerns in the 20th mm-hmm. century. They, they avoid slavery as a topic, which unfortunately... Just you know, you're kind of masking a huge part of American history, which yeah. I think that this, this this century's done a great job showcasing with westerns for sure. Absolutely, and Tarantino has made arguably the two best you know traditional westerns of the last of the century. Yes, with both the Hateful Eight and Django Unchained because they're both incredible. They're both so well done, I agree. so well written, and they are both westerns. And for like a traditional western, it hits all those hits all those buttons. I think those are the two best. But then I would yeah. say, but I would say, No Country for Old Men 
is the best, like how I would say, best Western that's been made this century. Like a contemporary modern, yeah, contemporary Western. Western. Yeah. My my only my only beef with that movie was the end, like with no it, country. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is brothers. the beef. Yeah. Saying, I, I, I love very the movie. Book accurate, very book accurate. Yeah, I love the movie, but it's like I I still you know. I know it's like the popular thing, you know, like if you're like a film guy to be like, oh, I like Clockwork Orange and I like (laughs) whatever. But uh, I thought the ending of that movie was trash. I did. Roland dying and not no, just how it just stopped. I was just like, I was like, oh, it's good. It's the Tommy Lee Jones scene with his with with his brother. Dude, I get no. Well, the last moment is Tommy Lee telling the dream to the dream to his wife, Mm -hmm. and I, I that. I get goosebumps there. When the credits cut, <laughs> when it go, when it comes to black, I'm like, I'm always like, oh, it's so good. See, I'm always that. like, why it's, can't we see the rest of the movie? Cinematically, <laughs> it's not a great third act if it's just a screenplay because we don't see what happens to Luella. Obviously, we find out he's dead. We don't see it. So yeah. a lot of audience people who haven't read the book, they probably don't love it. And the, then we have that long conversation, which conversation with his brother about the coffee mm-hmm. and the cats, but basically kind of the themes of the movie being talked about. Mm-hmm. It's kind of slow. It's just kind of like a, mm-hmm. a, a slow beat for the end of the also, film. So there's three it's three conversations. He has the conversation with his brother, and then he has the conversation with the other, the neighboring sheriff, where they're talking about how times are changing. Right. And then he has the conversation with his wife. So it's three. The Garrett yeah, Dillahunt, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. Uh, the the older sheriff from another oh, the older guy from a neighboring the, the town. Right, they're right, both okay. like working on this like cross investigation. Mm-hmm. And the film ends the last 20 minutes of just three dialogue scenes. But mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic because... It's no other movie really does that. Like the climax happens, there'll be a resolution five minutes or so, mm-hmm. then the movie ends. But mm-hmm. this movie, the climax has, happens, then the third act is still pretty long, and I really enjoy that. I think because they also Anton Chigurh's car accident. Yeah, that's his great car too. accident. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it touches on, and, but they discuss like the main themes of the film in every conversation. Mm-hmm. So they all matter. They do. Yes, yes. Every yes. every word spoken has a really important thing to say. Mm-hmm about the story so i actually i love the third act of that movie for those reasons i think the only other movie that i remember that had an ending similar to that was the pledge where it was just like oh nicholson yeah Yeah. where it was just like this is real life like sometimes the killers don't get caught that's the world we live in i respect that you know it but i don't know it's like but does that make it a good ending Uh, it's like that's where i'm up like i loved every every beat of that movie was there wasn't a false moment. And then just when it got to the end, I was like, I just felt that. I'm like, God, I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? There's the rest of the movie. What, for me, when Tommy Lee is talking about the dream, I am like glued to this, to his like oh, eyes. Yes. And I, cause he's such a great actor in he's that. Incredible. But I, I just get, gets me goosebumps every yes. time. I adore it. Do you guys so think good. that to go back to Tarantino, do you think that once upon a time in Hollywood is a Western? I was actually going to bring that up. It kind of is like ambiguous. I, so, it kind of touches on a lot of aspects, even has the production of a Western going on. But yeah. like the characters are very kind of Western, like they got cool names. Mm-hmm. But I, it, at times it does feel like a Western. What I think what Tarantino did was he he took the the structure of a Western and the beats that a Western will hit and he just put it in and made it a Hollywood movie mm-hmm. sure. in, about Hollywood. Instead, so it's, instead it's, of riding a horse, he's driving yeah. a car back to yeah. his place. So it's, his I would say it's a, it's a Hollywood movie. Like, it's about Hollywood. Yeah. So I wouldn't call it a Western, but he took the Western ideas and structures and approach to storytelling, and then he put it into the Hollywood movie. And he put a Western in it. Yeah. You know, the yeah, an actual Western. Western. Bounty yeah. Hunters, Bounty Law, like bounty a lot law. of yeah. themes and concepts from Westerns because he loves them. I think he put that into But that's it's a movie about movie making. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's the title, obviously, yeah. is like a play on Westerns as well. well yeah. You know, one of the mo- like, it's such a nuanced little bit in that movie, but it just gives me so much joy. 
is when they're sitting there and they're watching the show together. And and you're just sitting there, and he's like, uh, that guy. Good guy. Good guy. I know what you're talking <laughs> I'm about. Like, I'm oh, like, man. That's like something someone would say in a real conversation. <laughs> totally. Like totally. Make, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we, here we go. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> that was, uh, we shot that in uh, over by Calabasas, yeah. uh, like oh, over in the- Malibu? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I know guys, guy's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, I yeah, that. I love that. That's just great writing. It's brilliant. Yeah. And I saw something recently that blew my mind because uh, the drive-in movie theater, I was like, where did they shoot that? That's such a great location. Van Nuys, right? It's all miniature. Oh really? Them wow. driving into the the drive-in like the uh-huh. whole setup that they that's all a miniature. Or right. him, I had no idea. Him driving into where his trailer is and they go the that's all a miniature. Looks amazing. Blew my mind. But like that's classic um like compositing. Like that's yeah. brilliant filmmaking. They did that. They do that stuff ugh. Now it's just like another excuse to to use CGI, but yeah. it's like if it's if it's real. I mean, the miniature was fucking huge. I guess like that. Up. I yeah. had no idea because I, yeah. I always wonder. I'm like, where the hell did he film this? I live in LA. I've been to Van Nuys. Yes. Where the fuck is the that's space? Not like, there it's not there. Doesn't exist. It's all buildings this now. Huge yeah. area and this big. Black that's that's amazing because they did what what was so impressive about that film was they rebuilt Hollywood Boulevard for yes. to make it look like it was the 70s and it was. That's just, my neighborhood. Yeah, it's amazing. I was literally up there when all of that stuff was going so cool. down, and I was like. I re-signed up for extras casting so that if they had hit me up, I'd be yeah. able to, you know, show up. That's amazing. It didn't happen, but I actually because you I, look too much like Brad Pitt. Yeah, right. For that one. <laughs> what I do actually have, though, uh, and I'm incriminating myself a little bit with this, but whatever the movie's made. Um, when I was making my western, they were sourcing their props out at the same time. Mm. So I would go to the prop house ISS, which is like one of my favorite places. In Los Angeles, if you guys ever have a chance to go there, if you're sourcing out your props, talk to Jordan at ISS. Yes, sir. Um, They have just an array of like, it was like in the Matrix, guns, right? Western guns. And it was like, whoosh, whoosh. And it was any gun you could think of. We got Gatling guns. We got the old Colts. We got everything. And when uh, I was talking to the, the weapons guy there, uh, I wanted to take a look at the real Gatling gun because I wanted to source out whether or not I could actually record it and how much that would cost, right? And the guy had a basket in there with magnum opus on it. And when you go to a prop place, you know, for the people who don't know this, when you go to a prop house, it's like a big house with like any prop you can think of, you know, like a Walkman from the early 90s or whatever. And what you do is you take it and you put it in a basket and then you put a tag on it. And the tag is the name of the film. But a lot of times the movies will have like fake movie titles or whatever so that people don't know what they are or whatever. We were competing with Deadwood, the movie, which mm. was a fucking nightmare because every time I'd go in there, there'd be like half the shit was missing. <laughs> so luckily we were able to get what we needed to. And I'm sure they were pissed because we had a lot of good stuff and, you know, they couldn't touch it. It's in our bucket, right? Uh, I'm talking to the weapons expert there, and they've got this cart in there with Magnum Opus. Now, I had done about two years of research on Charles Manson. I wanted to write a, a, a movie about Charles Manson, basically sort of like in the vein of Dahmer, where it's like I wanted the audience to feel like they could have been a part of this. They could have experienced that. Kind of like Tyler Durden, where it's like this like really cool philosophical figure, but he's not what you expect him to be, you know? And uh, I had spent two years like really digging and and etching my way into this world, which was nuts. I've been to Spawn Ranch. I've been to the murder locations. I've, I've been there, done that. Um, 
And I had, so this was before I had known anything about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at all. I had, uh, I can't remember where I was going with this. The um, props. Oh, the props. That's right. So that that's the backstory. That's how I knew all of this. So I see this bucket and it says Magnum Opus. And I knew that that was Quentin's movie. And because I had actually stolen one of the slips from from Universal. <laughs> so I've got the slip still with the movie ticket stub no that way. I saw. It's like Magnum Opus. Yeah. And um, I gave the guys at the prop store or at the, the prop house an entire history lesson on the actual pistol that Austin Butler holds at Brad Pitt in the movie. They had to break the handle off of it because this was the gun that was given to him by the straight Satans who were a, a motorcycle gang. And it's like it's a whole this gun was used to basically save somebody from a, a, a hostage situation a month leading up to the actual murders and was the actual gun used in the murders as well. So I'm giving them this history lesson about like literally Quentin's props and they're going out to him that day. Mm, so it was like crazy. Oh, it was it's wild. It, it was incredible. That whole, I mean, I miss that because that was all pre-pandemic, you know? Yeah. That was like when everything felt moderately normal. Yeah. Well, I really like about how he portrayed like Charlie Manson, Charles Manson in the gang is we see just one shot of Charles Manson because so many people think like Charles Manson's a serial killer. He did yeah. the killings. He actually never killed he anybody. He never killed anybody, but no. he's always like portrayed as a serial killer mm -hmm. in documentaries and in movies and stuff like that. And think Tarantino did it justice by showing it wasn't him that killed people. Mm -hmm. Yes, he influenced them and corrupted them for yeah. sure. And who knows what they were taking, but like he wasn't the person that did the killings. Mm -hmm. It was these other people. It was text. Well, it was acid and uh, acid, uh, speed and cocaine. The LSD. Um, yeah, so the, they were all taking acid together. He would, he sometimes he would dabble a little bit, but for the most part, he would just make it sort of like monitor everybody. I think that was kind of how he had a bit of a hold on everyone. Um, but the idea was, and I don't know if you've, I've actually spoken to Tom O'Neill about this, who wrote, um, chaos, the Manson book that came out. Uh, the research that I had done kind of led me into the direction of him. And this guy had spent 20 years researching Manson. Um, and he released a book and it's like now it, that was the guy was on Rogan, right? Yeah. 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 I watched that one. He, so he, uh, was able to figure out that it had something to do with the MK Ultra, the CIA was yeah. like literally giving him LSD to see how that would impact Casting it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, there's a lot of crazy things. Oh my going. god, yeah. it's it's insane. I mean, the, the whole podcast could be about that. It's it's, <laughs> it's insane. And the uh, actor that played Manson in the movie also played him in Mindhunter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he did a great he job on that. Rushed yeah, in. Did a good yeah, job. Did a really good job. That's a great show too, by the way. Yeah. How about we head into our intermission, gentlemen, and Let's then we'll do get it. back to do our Western episode. Now we do movie quote competition, pop quiz, movie release here. Let's start with the movie quote competition. Let me see if I can stump you guys. All right. All right. All right. Let me get my list out too. Uh, uh. Mm -hmm. Here we go. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend: those with loaded guns, and those who dig. You dig. Oh, that's uh, uh, it's one of the Dollar Series uh, films that's uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Yeah, correct. The final scene. That's uh, Eli Wallach. <laughs> yeah, Eli Wallach. Ooh. Damn. Yes, sir. Anthony, what do you got? <clears throat> Girly. Tough ain't enough. <laughs> the impression. <laughs> Girly, tough ain't enough. Damn, what's I, I, that? I, I know it. Um, what's it called? The freaking... Tough ain't enough. What's the car... Uh, Gran, uh, Gran Torino. 
No. Gran Torino. Or, or are you thinking... Um, girly. Tough ain't enough. Oh, True Grit. No. <laughs> I don't know. Million Dollar Baby. Oh, I think... Ah! I had Clint in my head. It is Clint. Yeah, I thought it was the, the girl in, in uh, Gran Torino. Okay, so... Her, no, I, the girl in True Grit, you mean? No, Gran Torino. Uh-huh. The Clint Eastwood movie. I thought that was a line where he's speaking to the girl. What girl? The girl in the movie. No, it's a boy. Is it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He takes girl. in the kid under his wing. Yeah, he? he's... Uh, yeah, I think you got mixed up with True Grit. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. they get mixed up. Yeah. The True Grit is a girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Haley Steinfield. Steinfield. Mm. She's great in that movie. <laughs> Steinfeld, Steinfeld. Girly. <laughs> um, okay, so I got, I got two. One of them is... This was the one that I felt in my gut mm-hmm. when I came here. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get them with this one. All right. But it's not a Western, okay? But the other one's a Western. You can do whatever quote you want, man. It's all good. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a Western. All right, I'm going to see if I can stump you guys on this one. Let's hear it. I'm going to run you over when I come back down. I'm going to run you over when I come back down. Oh, that sounds so goddamn familiar. Can you, can you, can you act it out? Can you? <laughs> I'm going to run you over when I come back down. God damn it. What is this? Somebody hit me with this in the sixth grade, and I never forgot it. That's why I was like, the second you hit me up with this list, I'm like, oh, I got something for them. I don't know. It sounds very familiar, though. I can't get it. Jurassic Park. Dennis Nedry. Dilophosaurus. Oh my God. Can you believe that? And that's the thing, because you got it on the headphones. Yeah. It's a great quote. Good one. Yeah, that's good, a good that one. one's deadly. Good All right, one. guess this movie release year. All the pretty horses. All the pretty horses. Mm-hmm. Two thousand and two. I would say two thousand and three. Two thousand. Oh, Whoa. Nice. Matt Damon and Penelope Cruz. Wow. Corbin McCarthy. Yeah, novel. it's a it's a good book. Movies yeah. movies pretty good. Two thousand. Yeah, they're young in that. Oh my god. Okay, God, he did that before Born. Yeah, yeah, before Born. Yeah. Holy smokes, Born's so good. <laughs> he had a yes. great like six years. Two thousand. Matt Damon in the two thousand. Holy early nine nineteen nineties two thousand. Yeah. I mean, Google hunting. All right. <clears throat> what year did the outlaw Josie Wales come out? Nineteen seventy three. I think it's 1976. 76. Ooh. Ah. Great job. Great job. Great job. My buddy Andy, actually, uh, he's a very talented artist. Um, right here, Andy Pagana. Uh, he, uh, his art teacher painted that poster. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a great yeah. poster. It's, I mean, him with yeah, the thing. It's like, like uh... oh, my God. Yeah. Um, uh, what is the, oh, okay, here we go. Okay, you know what? I'm going to come at you with this then because we kind of touched on it. Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Oh, 2005 or 2000. I would say 2000 in... Wasn't that the year that There Will Be Blood and No Country came out? I'm going to say 2006. I'm going to say 2007. 2007. 2008. 2008. So they came out, but they were the Oscars that year. What's nuts is know. too because we shot it in like 2004 or something. Like it took. They all could. They all came out in 07. Yeah. They all came out because Deacons wow. didn't win. That's shocking. Yeah, it didn't get nominated for Best Picture though, but it got acting for um, both Brad Pitt in um, for nominations. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. Casey Affleck. Casey got nominated. So too. good in that movie. But yeah, it was that, that was a great was year a, for movies. Oh yeah. My God, he was so. Good that was that. like a hugely sought after role. Obviously, Brad Pitt's gonna get Jesse James, but like yeah. a lot of people were trying to get Robert Shaw. 2000, Robert Ford. Robert Ford. Robert Ford. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. 
2007 was great. By the coward Robert Ford. Great, yeah. Great year of movies. He was, oh my God, he was so good in that movie though yeah. too. He did an excellent job. And Sam Shepard, rest yeah, in peace. Yeah, Shepard's great. He's always great. Yeah. All right. Movie pop quiz time, gentlemen. Mm. How many Cormac McCarthy book-to-film adaptations have there been? In bonus <sighs> points, if you can name them all. Oh my God. A friend of mine was in one of them. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, six. Okay. I'm going to say four. Can you name them? The well, road. Four, is the, four is the answer. The road. The, okay. The road. No the country road. for old men. Uh-huh. All the pretty horses. Blood Meridian. No, that's never been made. That probably... I thought Franco made that. No, no he, he made did... Child of God. Child of God. That's, that's, that's the one child my buddy's in. He's the child of God. <laughs> that's sick. Yeah. Oh, think, yeah. I don't think they'll ever be able to make Blood Meridian into a movie. That's yeah, just, just like yeah. unadaptable. The road was outstanding. Yeah. That's... That would even be a Western, too. Like yeah. a post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Anthony. Your turn. Oh, yes. Here we go. How many films has Clint Eastwood directed? God damn it. Um, I'm going to say 32. Wow. I'm going to say 15. He has directed 40 movies. What? I knew it was a shitload 40 movies. I knew it You'd was be a lot. surprised. A lot of the movies he starred in, he directed. Oh, my God. And there are even, even movies God. that he's the non-credited director. I mean, just think about this century. He's, yeah. I can, you can name like 10 movies he's directed yeah, but this like, century. He directed um, Josie Wales. He basically directed Dirty Harry. He's not credited, but he basically directed Because the director the left or yeah, something, they, he? Yeah, he was messing up, so then mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood took over. But he is an extremely prolific director. People yeah. aren't really aware of Has that. Has he even acted in a movie that he didn't direct this century? This I, century? I'm yeah, sure. the um, baseball one with Justin Timberlake. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But aside from that, I think every most of the movies he's been in, he's, yeah. di- he's directed, yeah. which is crazy. Did you know he was a composer? A composer? No. What's he playing? Yeah, he composes yeah. the music in a lot of his movies. Well, he's, he I does know, the piano. Sings. He sings at the end. Yeah. Like, the, <laughs> like the, the, the subtle piano notes, the, like the minor chords and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like he's doing this. Like he did the score for Million Dollar Baby. He did the score for Gran Torino. They literally named of one yeah. of the uh, uh, sound houses at Warner Brothers, the Eastwood uh, recording studio, because... He's a composer. That's yeah. crazy. I had no fucking idea. He's I was ex- like, what else does this guy do? Extremely talented guy. Extremely talented. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Bless his heart, oh, man. Yeah. And that guy has just been... He's still doing it. Yeah. Still, still... 137 years old. <laughs> still still kicking. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And he doesn't look a day past 130. He eats salmon every day. <laughs> I'm going to start eating salmon yeah, every so day. Yeah, so Clint Eastwood's diet is he has sp- salmon and spinach every day for lunch and dinner. That's all he eats. Are you serious? Yeah, spinach and salmon. Wow. Yeah. You can still get up on a horse. It's crazy. Yeah. Good for him. Wow. Not us, guys. Not us. No. <laughs> uh, uh, what was that? That was the trivia, right? Yeah. Okay. So the quiz, yeah. What do I got for you? Okay. Uh, a Clint Eastwood one for you. Um, what Academy Award did Unforgiven win in 1993? Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, or all of the above? It won... All of the All above. above. Oh, ah, yeah. I thought I would get you guys on that one. Morgan, Fuck. best picture and best director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah man. Yeah, that was shot where I grew up. Oh, no oh, way. Yeah. Forgiven, yeah. That's my favorite Western. I love that movie. It's, it's a great so one. so good. Yeah, it's, it's really incredible. incredible. When he shows up. At the end. Oh, my and, God. And he's like, because you know, like Morgan Freeman's such a sweetheart in that movie. And like they have him on display. Yeah. And he shows up and it's like, yes, dude. Cast is insane. I mean, Richard Harris before he was Dumbledore is in that movie. Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, English Bob, he's an iconic little antagonist oh. as well. But man, that movie's so well made. It's an awesome movie. Whew, Richard yeah. Harris was in that. Huh? Yeah, he's English Bob. He was a great Dumbledore. Hair. And I know this now because I've watched 
almost four of the Harry Potter movies <laughs> this week. I've never seen one in my life. He's on fire. There and, he is. And now, right yeah, here. bless his heart. I like him more than the second guy. The second guy seems a lot more cold, I feel like. Yeah, this, I mean, it's tough to know whether he did it on purpose or with the, if it was direction. I think because he like, warms the, up in the last. There's, there's a lot of inside jokes about that. And the fourth one specifically, he's very yeah. cold and dark. Yeah, like, he's this, like, did you put your name into the goblet of fire? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, whoa. He, uh, he's, he uh, simmers down in a later film. Oh, okay. yeah, I think that's all. Uh, uh, what's his name? The guy with Michael Gavin. No, no, I know he is. The oh, director. Peter Newell. Peter Mike Newell. Mike, Mike Newell. Newell. Yeah, Mike Newell's directing. I yeah. think. Interesting. Because there's like there's a great meme that goes around where <laughs> when he approaches Harry, he's like, "Harry, did you put your name into the Goblet of Fire?" You know that scene? Sure. In the yeah. book, it says Dumbledore calmly asked Harry, <laughs> "Did you put your name into a Goblet of Fire?" So there's so many like twitch t- uh, stitches and videos of that and memes. <laughs> it's hysterical. It's so funny. I didn't know that. But it's yeah. all like the directing, I think, of the actors. But then sure. Half Blood Prince, he's uh, he's like kind of a perfect Dumbledore. He's, in the he's seventh, really great. In the sixth one. Still yeah. haven't seen that it's one yet. Phenomenal. No spoilers. No, right? of course not, bro. I want you to experience that. Experience that. <laughs> Wait for the time. aliens to show up. I was, <laughs> yeah. Damn it, aliens! <laughs> and the um, Freddy Krueger cameo. Yeah. Oh my god! Mm. All right, um, who we got for haters this weekend? We don't have any because we just recorded yesterday. Any we went, we went through them. Yeah, we went through them yesterday. Let's see if we have any uh, five star reviews in the meantime. That would be wonderful. I love it when you guys That'd do be wonderful. the, uh, the unsubscribe. Oh, they're great, man. Not don't let great. the door hit you guys yeah. in the ass on the way out, yeah, huh? For real. So All good. right, no new reviews. <laughs> Streaming recommendation for me is Unforgiven on HBO Max. Ah. I also one. did an HBO Max one. 310 to Yuma, Christian Bale, Russell Crowe, and Logan Lerman. It's an amazing film. James Mangold directed it. Really terrific Western. I, and I, for me, I thought Westerns were, were dead until I saw that movie. Same, bro. Same. I, um... I'm veering a little bit here. My streaming wreck. Uh, there's, there's two. There's two. Just to stay in line with what we're talking about, I would say uh, Hateful Eight on Netflix, The Extended. Oh, yeah. There's something so special about the extended version of that movie. It's like you're watching Quentin take his time versus like having to rush through, you know, really wonderful shots for the sake of, you know, yeah. a movie theater. It has an intermission, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. And it's so honestly, like, that's the way to watch it. I think yeah. I would say that. But um, I would also say just because of today, I would say HBO Max uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, because today um, on the day of recording. Yeah. On yeah. the day of recording. I don't know why I'm so fucked up by this. I used to see I used to see him at the gym. Oh, I wow. saw him at the gym every day for. um. Man, I'm like getting fucking rocked by this. Let everyone know who you're talking about. Uh, this is this is Kevin Conroy. Uh, I used to see Kevin Conroy at the gym every day. I would go to the gym four or five days a week, and I would see him there. And um, I because I do this like Joker persona on on TikTok, right? I always have this like I always have this like kind of thing. We were stretching next to each other uh, one afternoon, and uh, I just kind of look over at him, and I'm like. I know who you are. <laughs> and he looks over at me and he goes, <laughs> That's funny. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. We great. just always had this like exchange ever since then. And I don't know. I I played all those Arkham games. And like I imagine you guys grew up watching the animated series. Oh, yeah. That movie too, Phantasm, is great. It's uh, that's why I would suggest it because yeah. it's it's that's one of the best Batman movies that nobody talks about. Um yeah, that that I when I woke up this morning and I read that I was um I was really I was really rocked by that. 
we got we got a lot of DMs from people. Um, he touched a lot of lives, and people really loved him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. iconic, yeah. iconic voice. Yeah. All right, let's get back into our Western episode. And just to stay on the Hateful Eight, because I think this is Tarantino's most underrated movie. I think it was one of my favorite movie theater exper- experiences of all Christmas time. Christmas Day. We saw Christmas Day, 70mm yeah. IMAX projected film. Mm. It had an overture in the opening for 10 minutes. We got uh, like a- Did you see it at the arc light? Huh? Uh, the arc light? No. Oh, yeah. We yeah, did see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Sherman Oaks. Yeah. The Sherman Oaks. Sherman Oaks that's where we saw it. Yeah. Uh, no, no, we saw no, that no, at Cinerama. Cinerama Dome. We saw it at Cinerama. They built that. Hey, no, hopefully it was arc light. And oh. they even had the the, thun- the war You're right. It was, it was arc yeah, light. Yeah, but the Cinerama but Dome is arc light. Yeah, it was that. It was the Hollywood Cinerama arc light. We didn't see it in the Cinerama theater, but it was in that theater. Because they were playing 70. Because that's where I saw it. That's where they built that theater for Mad, 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 Mad World because it was. Panavision, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Super huge wide, reels, right? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you got a program. They had a legit intermission for 15 minutes. You could get up. They had the, yes. the graphic up the whole time. Awesome experience. But this movie, I don't understand the hate it gets and why people think people think it's boring. All these comments every time we post a clip about it. Obviously, many people love it in our comments, and a lot of fans like it. But consistently, whenever we post a clip on TikTok or Instagram about the hateful eight, it gets a lot of backlash because people think it's boring. And I think it's one of I think it's top five in Tarantino's filmography, possibly top three. And plus, Samuel Jackson should have won a best golden role. statue for that yeah, role. He is tremendous in that movie. The characters are so fascinating and interesting. It's hysterical. It's dark. It's witty. It's kind of like a horror movie at times, too. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just a brilliant script and brilliant characters and movie. I, I just think it... Did, did you ever it, read the screenplay? No, I haven't, no. Oh, it's like... Um... The character description for Samuel Jackson is like a page long. I love it. He's got a a non-regulation cowboy hat on. He's it's like it's it. Oh my god! It's just like he writes he writes screenplays like a hybrid with like a novel. Yeah, that's but that's what's so that's what's so amazing is is that you get to a point in your in your craft where you break rules because everybody's got fucking rules for screenplays. Don't write music in it. The format. Yeah, I've written like five movies, and you know what I say to all of those people with all those rules? Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Write your own movie. Mm. Like if it inspires you and you want that song, if you don't write it in there, you're telling the universe you're never getting that song, right? But like, look at look at Reservoir Dogs, right? Quentin spent most of the production money on that. The music. Yeah, on the, yeah. On the music. Yeah. Right. So it's just like, say what you want, man. You know? And Corn McCarthy, we're talking about him because he's written so many Westerns. I mean, the way he writes, he uses like no periods and no, no quotation quotations. Marks. He has yeah. odd grammar in his, in his books. Yeah. And obviously yeah. not everyone's Cormac McCarthy, but like if you're an artist and you have a vision, you shouldn't be just like handcuffed yeah. to these rules. And also right. with the Hateful Eight and its music, um, what I my favorite part about the film is... Um, uh, Tarantino's famous for using so many Ennio Morricone songs yes. in his films. Oh my God, bless his heart. But he uses he uses Morricone songs that's already that have already been made for movies in the past. Mm-hmm. And then he he'll use other music as well. But like Morricone songs are always present. Mm-hmm. But this is like an original score written by Ennio for this film. He wanted mm-hmm. he won an Oscar for it. Mm-hmm. And I love that it's like. But it's, it's also the thing. Yeah, the yeah, thing. yeah. Oh, no, he, he put to, some yeah. of the thing in it. Right. Yeah, some, they, some unused they, tracks. There's from the an eight-minute track from the thing mm-hmm. that wasn't used in the movie that Tarantino put in, but the mm-hmm. rest of the score um, was written by Morricone for this movie, and I think that's what was really special. Where it's like, in that theme is so great, and mm-hmm. it is the such good music, and it's something that like to have like the the maestro make the music for this movie, and it's like 2015. It's just that's special to have that guy actually make the music for the film, not to use other tracks from other movies. 
but uh, this is an original score, and I, I love that about the Hateful Eight. It's so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I love how it's a Western, but we're in a blizzard. Usually, you you have snow yeah. in some Westerns, but there's yeah. there's no desert. We have some that shot of the horses. Yeah, but it's, oh my it's just God. A, it's a giant blizzard that's going on, and in the opening, so bold, where it's like seven minutes of a slow push in mm-hmm. on a statue or of uh, Jesus or yeah, the, I believe Jesus, so, yeah. Jesus yeah. on the cross. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, on the yeah. cross yeah. with and you'll score for like five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I loved every second mm-hmm. of that movie. And yeah. I think it's a brilliant opening. Robert it, Richardson's uh, his DP, and yeah. he's one of the best to ever do it. He has been for a while. You know yeah. what I just uh, learned? I watched Ninja Turtles the other night. The the one from the nineties, the the first oh, yeah, one, nice. the live action. Yes, yeah, uh, Sally Sally Menke edited that. That's really Quinn's Tarantino's editor. editor yeah, edited that? I had no wow. idea. Do you know that uh, before, before every take, the actors say hi to Sally? Really? <laughs> so if you, there's a there's an outtake reel of Inglorious Bastards, uh-huh. a supercut of all the actors like right before they start rolling, and every actor they'll say hi Sally, and then uh... they then they say action. Oh my! It's God. really cute. Like that's something Tarantino has. Like, hey, everyone, say hi to Sally right before you start acting. I have a behind the scenes uh, anecdote from Hateful Eight. So I was lucky enough to. I ran into a guy in Malibu once. I'm very talkative and I'm very loud. So it's like you either like me or you don't, right? But if you do, <laughs> it's like we're we're boys, or whatever. Um, and this guy met him in Malibu. He was with his wife on their anniversary. This was the restaurant they ate at or whatever. And, uh, he was the special effects supervisor for agents of shield. And I was like, Oh my God, can I see like what that's all about? And he brought me onto set, uh, at Culver studios before they tore the whole thing down. I was there the last month that they, that I was there for the final shooting of, of agents of shield behind the scenes for f- almost everything. And I was there, it was the the last month that the Culver Studios was up before they bulldozed it. And he showed me everything. And this guy, um, one of his friends was on Hateful Eight. And he said the day that they got there to the exterior where they shot, you know, the stuff in the cabin. The haberdashery, yeah. Yep. That's the mountain on the Coors Light can. That's, oh, the, that's the same location, right? So they had this spot. They all pull up there, and it's fresh powder, like not a fucking footprint for miles. And naturally, as a filmmaker, you're like, holy shit, this is amazing. We need to get this on camera immediately. So Quentin's talking with uh, um, Richardson. Richardson. And they're getting this sorted out. And a crew van. No. <laughs> and Quentin fired him on the spot. Oh, my and God. That, and that was it. And everybody was like, <gasps> like the the whole, the, the guy's telling me the feeling on set when he fired him was like, yeah, you don't. This is a guy who fucking loves what he does more than yeah. anything. And he doesn't want to CGI that. Does he? Nope. Did that guy know not to drive up there? Who knows? I don't think he knew, man. <laughs> oh he knows God. now. He knows now. Oh, yeah. What did I do? I'm just breaking all the XLR cables. <laughs> he knows now. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It, and he never worked again. It, it's, no. it's one of the best, I think, Westerns of the 21st century, too, as well. But some other great Westerns that we can talk about. Um, Becca Raw was a great one that's from Brazil. Wind River with Jeremy Renner. I thought that was excellent. They remade True Grit as well with uh, Jeff Bridges also, Hayley yes. Steinfeld, and Matt Damon. Rango is a is an Rango's animated great. Western great. for sure. It's yeah. so fun. Slow West is really good. Has anyone ever seen Bone Tomahawk? You saw it. Oh, you, with, it's, um, it's, Kurt. A, it's like a Western horror movie uh-huh. with cannibals. It's it's pretty decent. 
I think I, I there's a lot of gore and it's yeah. kind of gross. So if you're into that, I recommend it. I wasn't a huge fan of it, but I think it's still really a well-made movie. The script's just kind of here and there, but like if you like gore, go for it. And then obviously, Brokeback Mountain's one of the best Western oh, made this year. Yeah. That was a beautiful movie. No, really, there's no gunfights or anything. It's like a, yeah. uh, it's an unusual Western but genre, but the Cowboys for yeah. sure, and mm-hmm. it's cattling. And so I think that's a, a wonderful film, and that's definitely one of the best of this century for sure. Yeah, should have won Best Picture. There's um a really great Robert. Pattinson. I auditioned for that too, actually. Oh, did Heath Ledger beat you out. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> number two um, again. <laughs> no, it was it was uh, it was the guy. It was when they're watching the fireworks and they get into oh, the, the fight, fight with the okay. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I auditioned for that guy. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, because nice. that was also shot. Where I grew up, so oh. casting was getting put out a lot. Oh, and I had makes just sense. got an agent at that time, so makes it was sense. you know. There's a there's this Pattinson movie with Mia Wasikowska called Damsel. Yeah, it's really good. It's it's so bizarre where Pattinson plays this guy who he he's in love with this girl and and she she ran off and he he's traveling across the um the country to find her and he finally finds her, but it happens to be that he thinks he's rescuing her, but she's like he he's the villain to her. Oh. But in his head, he's like kind of slow and just goofy. It's a Pattinson movie. Yeah, it's a Pattinson movie. I like him. He, for him, it's like 2015. Lo- yeah, for him, it's a love story, and he's trying really? to find the long lost love. But for her, she's like, "I want to get away from you." <laughs> it's really good. It's it. really he, funny. He's in a bunch of good movies before. Like he started getting great roles, like The Lighthouse and The Batman. I mean, The Rover is a really good movie. Kind of like a Western. Kind of like a yeah. Western post. I have that on my world list. Yeah. with Guy Pierce as well. Where that was the first time I saw him in a movie where I was like, "Holy crap, he can actually." freaking act outside mm-hmm. of twilight because he plays a very unique character he's excellent in it highly recommend if anyone's never seen it but then also i mean recently he's done like high life and the lighthouse but now people are realizing that the guy's a great actor as well not just the vampire from twilight but you know i think he did had a string cosmopolis he's really great in that movie as well good so, time yeah good, good time. time good time more was, recently yeah that was what sold me i yeah. was like really pattinson is batman come on and then i saw <laughs> good time and i was like you yeah. should, should see High Life. Have you ever seen that? No, I never saw it. He's in a space movie. He's excellent. Yeah, clearly, yeah. Claire Denis made it like three years but ago. But for me, it was The Rover as well yeah. with Guy Pierce, and he's. I was like, because I remember because I love we love Guy Pierce and we yes. love the proposition. Um, Such a good and David Michaud made The Rover, and he did Animal Kingdom as well. And I remember seeing the trailer, and I was like, "Oh, guy from Twilight's in this." Yes, yeah, same. But yeah. then we watched it, and we were like, "Whoa!" His accent and his acting is like he's blowing Guy Pierce out of the water, mm-hmm. and Guy Pierce is amazing. The proposition, what's interesting, there was like a stream of um, like five movies or something like that that Nick Cave and Warren Ellis did the music for that were just like yeah. out of control. It's for me, I think it started with Assassination of Jesse James, Such and then it was like soundtrack. the proposition, The Road. And those, a lot of those songs ended up like ending up on my writing playlist. They mm. do something to your mind that like helps you. Did you listen to Blonde? He did Blonde. Did he really? Yeah, he did Blonde. Because oh. Andrew Dominic made Blonde. And right. They, he's he's right. done all of Andrew Dominic's movies. That was a that was a tough pill to swallow. I still haven't seen it yet. So I, I recommend shit. watching it. I recommend I'll check watching it out. It. I recommend watching it too. But it's a oh, lot. It's. I love how it was shot. Yeah. Oh, I love beautifully that. made, yeah. Well, and it's like it's like you're transported into these photographs, but there's also like there's not a single moment in that movie where I'm like, oh, I don't believe that they're in New York at this time. It's like I believe it all, but it would have been nice if somebody smiled or <laughs> laughed in that movie for even thirty <laughs> seconds. Oh. Hostel is another great western oh, that's come out this year. Scott, yeah, Scott Cooper, Cooper, Christian Bale, Timothy Chalamet's in that movie. People forget he's uh, West like, Studi. Yeah, he's like West Studi's great. Well, that's yet. the that's the one that's coming out soon, isn't it? Which Bones one? and all. The Christian Bale one you're talking about? Oh, no. no, no so no, so the Hostiles came out like four years ago. 
Okay. He plays yeah. uh, the Civil War one. Yeah. Yeah. Post Civil War. Right. Is it during right, Civil right. War. Post Civil War. It's Civil. It's um. I think it's during Civil War, and yeah. he his he's in charge of a company that's tasked with transporting a uh, village chief and his family across the landscape to their home okay. safely. Yeah, you're thinking of the pale blue eye. Yeah, pale that's blue, the one yeah, that's yeah. coming out. Yeah, December, coming out. Yeah. yeah, 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 right. And that's right. in Victorian England. They got the, he's got the same similar. Yeah, 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 similar. He's got like, great yeah. facial. Yeah. He, he like can fit in every oh. cont- every setting you can yeah. you need him in any period. We I, saw him in person a month ago, and it was like, oh really? my god. Yeah, I got I got this close to him. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he went over to smell him. I just was like, smells terrific. I I needed to see him up close. I was like, oh my god, Jesus, Jennifer Bale. Uh, Jennifer Lopez walked by me uh, last August or la- not last August, the August before. I was at the the Beverly Hills Hotel, and she walked by me, and I wasn't sure if it was her or not, but I kind of had a feeling. And it, it didn't sink in until, like, you know, when somebody walks by you and then there's, like, a second and then you, you have can the smell them. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? You know, it's like you get that, like, waft where you're like, oh, that's what they smmell like. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what a billion dollars smells like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. I was like, holy shit. She wow. smells terrific. I don't think I've smelled anything like that. Was Ben with her? No. No, no, no. no. She just had, there was, like, a crew. Too bad. Jimmy would, be, Jimmy would be more interested I'd in I'd be ben. following Ben like out of the Would door. You? <laughs> <laughs> You're my favorite Batman. <laughs> he was your favorite Batman? Pretty much, yeah, I'd say. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Why would you say that? I think pretty dumb answer, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm I just think kidding. I think <laughs> you're entitled to your the best Batman, not like the best all around. Obviously, Go- Christian Bale's the goat, but I think Ben encapsulated in terms of like Batman, the suit, the uh, the combat, the action, the gear, the tech, the the character. I think his Batman is my favorite. It's awesome. Interesting. Interesting. I think I think if he had his own movie, people would like lose their fucking mind. We'll see what Warner Brothers can do. We'll Interesting. see. Hopefully. I'm fine with Pattinson being Batman. That's all I need. I'll take. I'm happy with that. I want. Why not have two Batmans? Because I, I want too many. Too much, man. I agree. It's too There's, much. There is a lot. Pattinson's good. Yeah, Pattinson's I think Ben Affleck was in a bunch of shitty movies. <laughs> it just kind of is what it is. It's uh, too bad. Yeah. If they if they did it right, we talked about this a thousand times. They yeah. did a solo Batman movie first before. I, mean, just I love like, Keaton. Keaton's the you know. Yeah. Adam West is hilarious. It's a very different Batman, but true. Yeah. Has Ben ever been in a western? Ben's never been in a western that uh, I can think of. Probably too tall. I don't think he ever speared, uh, guided his career in that direction for Westerns. I mean, you could kind of say in a little bit of a way the town's kind of a Western, sort of. It's oh, absolutely. Not, it's it's not in, a, in a city setting. It's not a Western. It's kind I mean, I mean it's, it's cops it's, and robbers. It's, it's, so cops and robbers. So is he a Western? Is he a Western? Kind of. Is he a Western? Kind of. Yeah, I would, I I would say that it's, it's, it's no landscape it's in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> it's L.A. Oh, I will say... Hell or High Water is a Western. Yes. Hell it has the Western. geography that you need. Exactly. Well, and the characters. Point. I think yeah. the environment is just as important as having people with guns. Oh, absolutely, for sure. 100%. So that's I why agree. you can't say, I can't say that the town is a Western. Yeah. That's cop- why I didn't say it was. It's kind of cops and robbers. But, you know, one of the main criteria I said is the landscapes, the setting it yeah. is set. That's, is that's an interesting point, though. Yeah. I mean, it's like Robin Hood, where it's like he's, yeah. you know. Is Robin Hood a Western? And <laughs> we gotta have, yeah, we gotta have some limitations. You're right. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just posing questions. But here. I love Hell or High Water. It, yes, it's ter- it's I actually watched it again uh, a month ago, and it's really fantastic. Chris Pine and Ben Foster are phenomenal together, and uh, I think that the movie is so underrated. It was actually nominated for Best Picture. Was it really? Yeah, it's so well done, so well written. Um, it, but it's really about the character work that these actors did. Jeff Bridges is great as well. But uh, I mean, I love that movie. Aren't they making a sequel too? A sequel? Yeah. Not that I know of. I thought I heard that. My only bone to pick with that movie was they started it off with this wonderful shot of Mm -hmm. like, wasn't it like the camera just like turns around? It turns, yeah. 
but to the and then it cut and then it turns to them right. approaching the bank. And the I car. was like, oh man, we're in for like some really creative, unique shots. <laughs> and then it just was shot very average like they hit the default button and then they ended it with that thing and i'm like mm. oh okay shit <laughs> now that everyone's a great chris, movie not but everyone's i was like chris Damn. nolan bro you can't, ex- yeah. you can't expect a nolan movie I, 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 no i know i know but they they give you movement in the yeah. beginning and then it was like okay wide medium close for basically the movie and i was like oh okay i yeah. was literally expecting a little bit more something but well but that's and- it's so nitpicky i have all kinds of <laughs> just to stay on though ben foster he's an actor that just fits western so well he's he does been, he's been in a few yes. and i think he's like, the prince true grit uh 310, 310 to yuma he's yeah. phenomenal in that movie too but i think he's just something about him there's there's like, like the wild actors, card actors have yes. that persona I mean, clint is the western king but like yeah. some actors just fit the type the type of environment type of genre and he's always excellent in everything uh, lee van cleef we can't have a uh oh, yeah, western yeah. pod not yeah. mention lee van cleef with his you know half a finger he had that as well oh, that, yeah like very dark right didn't matter what movie he was in after he did those he was movies, in the two most like, iconic westerns yes good bad the ugly and the one and i would say my west. favorite was probably the second mm-hmm. uh once upon a time uh, the west? no there was a fistful do- uh or a fistful of dollars mm-hmm. a few dollars more uh and then good the bad and the ugly yeah. i think my favorite was a few dollars more because it was like Clint versus Lee Van Cleef. And there's so many great moments where it's like, you see how Clint does his job. And then you see how Lee Van Cleef does his job. Mm. You know, he chases the guy, he jumps off the balcony, and then he pulls out his gun from the from the horse and shoots him from far away. It was like, I loved that. Yeah, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly uh, is amazing. It is a masterpiece. And I guess, I don't know, I'm uh, maybe I'm edgy. Everybody goes towards good, the bad, the ugly, and I'm like, yeah, let me see, let me check something else. It's out. just too, it's just so incredible in its scale and scope, oh. and the filmmaking is just unbelievable. And it has that that third act is in the oh, climax it's, is just it's untouchable, remarkable, and um, the score is just, I mean, it's incomparable. But the, the final act in that movie, yeah. and I would say the the first act in uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in the West are like to me the epitome of like you can't touch this. Well, the first the first scene in Once Upon a Time in the West, I think, is one of the best opening scenes it's, of all time. Um, there's no dialogue; it's nope. just the the men waiting for the train to arrive, and then he shows up, and then they have the quick shootout. Where he goes, you, yeah, uh, you brought two, you brought yeah. uh, you, not enough horses. Yeah. He's like, nah, you brought yeah. too too many. Yeah, and but the move the it's 15 minutes, but it's all just cinematography and sound of sound design. Mm-hmm. It's terrific sound design for that scene, and it really sets the stage for that film. But it's an amazing opening scene. Oh, yeah. You, you could yeah. argue that Tarantino's also made another Western this century with Kill Bill Volume 2. Oh, interesting. That movie is very it's much a Western. It's pretty Western-y. That You're whole right. first hour, first yeah. two acts of that movie is pretty much a Western. With Bud, yeah. with Bud in the desert and the trailer and the, and the strip joint. That movie is very much a Western. And then you could say the, the getting the, buried yeah. alive yeah. and escaping. Yep. And the fight with um, Daryl Hannah's character is a shootout. Yeah, basically. It's a duel. Yeah. So yeah. like that movie is very much a like a kung fu Western, you could say, which is, I think, versus Kill Bill 1. It was very anime, though, because they have that whole section that's just animated. Kill Bill 1's basically just samurai kung fu fu with anime, but then I think Western kung fu is Kill Bill I think you're right. That's a great point. Even even also finding Bud in the final conversation. And the the wedding ceremony is in a Western town. So there's a lot of Western things in that I would say that that's a Western. I think so. I would agree. I'd call that a Western. man. Yeah. yeah. The um, I never support. thought about it until now. <laughs> yeah, man, you're a smart Kill guy. <laughs> <laughs>
It makes me sound so stupid that I bring something up. You're like, wow, man, you're really smart, actually. Good job. Because, like, if you're, the self-recognition of, like, wow, I said something smart. You, sh- you shouldn't, like, say, like, hey, I never thought. That was pretty good of me. That was pretty good of me. <laughs> Pat myself on the yeah, back. Yeah. Limit patting yourself on the back. I am pretty dope. We did good, today. We did good. <laughs> I do have a good job, man. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, the thing. Yeah, you got it right there. The oh, thing. yeah. That's oh, essentially... A western in, western in Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I mean, Antarctica. Do you guys think that um, The Revenant is a western? Yes. Yeah. A western, yeah. It might be a little too early. I have it on my list. It's a little too early. It's the 1820s, but I still think it classifies as a western, although we're not really in the south or the west. We're just in the north part mm-hmm. of America. It's, I mean, it's still very it's much. In Canada, all yeah. the very All yeah. the similar components you need in a western. I, I classify it as western. I have it listed as a western, and it's amazing. It's an amazing movie. I love that because yeah. um, Leonardo came out because they shot that where I grew up as well. What and, haven't they shot where you grew up? <laughs> well, it's like it's anything. So it's Calgary. I grew up in Calgary. So it's like anytime you need mountains oh, or like it's western. Like that's place. So it's, yeah. It's, it's easy. Just, it's close. You don't have to fly across yeah. the world. So it's yeah. it's coincidental that like nothing like, okay, Ghostbusters was the last thing that got shot there. Uh, Top Gun Maverick was shot in Calgary. Right. Yeah, seriously, right? Um, Lost out to, to, to Miles Teller on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so nuts because I moved away from there because nothing was getting shot there. And yeah. then I move away and they're like, let's just shoot everything here. <laughs> um, uh, I don't you know. I lost my train of thought. That's, okay, that's Calgary, bro. Calgary, Calgary, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Calgary Flames. That's what we've learned in this podcast. We're talking about The Revenant. <laughs> oh, The Revenant. Um, they, there, was a, there was a whole like uh, – because obviously, like Leo's the big, you know, environmentalist, and um, when where I grew up, we have what's called Chinook winds. I've read so, about this. Yeah, yeah. Like every so, four years. No, it's yeah. like in the dead of winter, it'll be uh-huh. cold as shit, and then all of a sudden, you'll have a day where it's hot as hell, and it's just a heat, like a, just a gust of hot air that comes through. It melts all of the all of the snow and. It's just a nice, relaxing day. And it has something to do with the mountains and how the, the weather gets affected by the height of the Rocky Mountains. And he was experiencing these drastic weather changes while he was on set. And the crew was telling him basically, like, yeah, we this is very unusual for, for Calgary. Like, you know. And naturally, Leo does what Leo does. I'm 100% convinced they were all fucking with him. He made that is he made, totally he made, normal. He put it in his documentary. I know. Yeah. I Like, literally, I know. Yeah. It's and hilarious. They ended up, I think it, it was just bad timing with the schedule of the shoot because they ended up going down to South America to film yeah. their, the their it, Arctic right? scenes. Yeah. Uh, because all the snow had melted, but they they were confused. They didn't. Uh, I read into this that yeah. they weren't they weren't aware. It of didn't these, make sense. And the people on on the crew yeah. were like, "Yeah, this is very unusual." I'm a hundred percent. They're just messing they with them. Fucking with them. Yeah. Yes, that makes sense. I'm a hundred percent because yeah. I know people where I grew up, and that's what they do. Yeah. So. <laughs> I guess the opportunity you know? to mess with a celebrity, you, they're gonna do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you know, it's yeah. But if they had scheduled the movie for like the month after, it would have been well, fine. Well, it, it depends because it's it is it's like it's kind of up in the air. Like uh-huh. you'll have it'll snow, you know, leading up to the to the summer. I mean, you could get a, a, a dump of snow in June. Yeah, uh, and that, that'll be the last one, and then you'll go three months, and then like the second the air gets a little bit cold in September, yeah. then you start to see it shift, right? But, because I believe the opening shot of that scene, the great long take, but it yeah. starts with the uh, water. Yeah, Tra- the like and the camera. Comes yeah, up it comes up, and, and they're fought, we're following the them. Elk or whatever. That was they didn't want water; they wanted it all to be snow. Really, for that entire opening sequence. So a lot of the film 
changed because of the weather patterns. That film makes me so uncomfortable watching it because I shot a movie in New York last year in the dead of winter and I had a vest. Actually, I have this vest in the movie. Nice. This is an actual character it's prop. It's wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> wardrobe. I didn't realize that till now. Um, and I was freezing my ass up the whole time. Extremely uncomfortable. Like there's, it doesn't matter how much acting you train, you know, nothing prepares you for having to remember your lines and your mark and what you're feeling on the inside when all you want to do is scream and get into a hot tub. <laughs> and it's, you know, you, I watched that movie and I'm like, bless them. Everybody who showed up for that. Yeah. That's not in, easy. In six months. DiCaprio put himself shoot. through hell. That he had to. That is not easy. Yeah. That is not shoot. easy. I'm glad he won for all that. I love Alejandro and Aritu. It's an, it's an a... amazing physical performance. Yes. Like the physicality that he performed in that scene was just amazing. It's yes. incredible. I think though the only reason he won that year is because he wasn't up against, oh God, people are going to hate me for this. He wasn't up against like a real actor. Okay. Now hear me out. <laughs> Who are the Who other was he up against that year? Every time Leonardo gets nominated for something, he's up against like Daniel Day-Lewis or Christian True. Bale. <laughs> yeah. or I mean, It's like somebody who completely changes their entire being. And Leonardo is a great actor, but he's not that kind of actor. So it doesn't matter how good he is. If he's up against somebody who's trained like these guys, it just is never going to work out for him. And I love him, but like, that's the dead honest truth. George Clooney was very honest about that when he was nominated for Michael Clayton. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm not fucking winning. Yeah, that's true. Daniel Day-Lewis is nominated. Yeah. I would, no, but I would disagree. I think DiCaprio's uh, one of the greatest actors of all time. But it was, um... I, I, I don't have, disagree with that. Yeah. We have, I'm saying, but there's though, a level in terms after of like, Leo. Yes. Well, no, so the thing is, Meryl Streep, yes, there's Meryl a level Streep, after Leo, Meryl yeah. Streep and Daniel Day-Lewis... And De Niro are, and, uh, yes. and Jack yeah, and Jack, yeah. they're all stratosphere different yes. world they're working on. Yes, but yes, then yes. DiCaprio, I think, is just barely a peg below them. Um, I think he's in a similar world as, yeah. as Jack. But he's not. He's not. Yeah. I don't think anyone's Danny Day Lewis. Danny Day Lewis is like. I a, think Christian Bale's close. Christian Bale is, is quite close. There. Yeah, but uh, Ready Men Maine. Or Benicio, was, even yeah. Jesus, like that guy changes he's everything. Great. Yeah, Ready Men Red Maine for Danish Girl. Fast Bender for Steve Jobs. Uh-huh. Um, Matt Damon for The Martian. That doesn't count. <laughs> right. Um, is that Golden Globe? This is uh, Oscars. Uh, this is uh, Oscars. These Matt are the got nominated for an Oscar for The Martian. By the way, Fast yeah. Bender was Steve Jobs. He was incredible. He was Steve Jobs. I hated that movie, I but he was Steve Jobs. I, I, I actually thought he would win. He might be the most underrated actor Wait, alive. Didn't yeah. Eddie Redmayne get that? Yeah. No, that's the year that Eddie Redmayne won. There's something wrong with that Google search because... DiCaprio was there for Revenant too. I know, yeah, Redmayne won the Oscar for yeah, that role. Oh, that was the year that you looked up for Revenant. Yeah, um, interesting. And Revenant must have so it must have, he must have won in twenty seventeen, but the movie came out in twenty sixteen. Yeah, it's probably how it is. Yeah, Google search is probably mixed up because it had those five guys in a row. Yeah, but again, I think Leonardo's extremely talented. But it it is to say, it's like I'd be sitting here completely ignorant to like real life if I didn't acknowledge that there was. Like there are actors that that yeah. go above and yeah, beyond, yeah. you know, because uh, and I look at I take Jordan Belfort, for example, right? Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Brilliant movie. All the performances were absolutely brilliant. But Leonardo was not Jordan Belfort. Like he just wasn't. If you listen to Jordan, Jordan Belfort's a guy who talks like this and he's saying he speaks really fast and it's almost like he, he spits on everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, that's not. In a way. That's a guy who does drugs and works on Wall Street. You, you yeah. know who you compare him? You can compare him to Denzel. 
Someone sure. who's he's not quite a chameleon. Right. Like not a chameleon. Not like sure. Christian yeah, yeah. Bale, not like Meryl Streep. Maybe yeah. the most transformation you've seen is like Jay Israel yeah. for Denzel. But he is or, without a doubt one of the best actors of all time. But he's yes. like Leo. Leo does transform a little bit more. But Denzel, what's eating Gilbert Grape yeah. is, yeah. I would say, oh, yeah. the most transformative. Yeah, Calvin Candy is great. Jack, yeah, like... Jack's not much of it. Like he doesn't yeah. transform. His Jack doesn't yeah. transform chameleon wise. So it, it's, it's also a different, I think, kind of acting. Whereas I think it totally is. And also I think Scorsese understands like the star power so so much so there. But he does Everybody enough. Everybody does. He, tra- he transforms enough, but he's not he's not Gary Oldman. No. Yeah, you that's what, what I mean? I'm saying. Yeah. It's like Gary Oldman is yeah. like yeah. Literally it's different, Winston Churchill. But then, like, I don't know that Alan Rickman is Gary Oldman either, right? Because like Alan Rickman comes in with his yeah, thing he, and doesn't, everything he doesn't that chameleonize, he does. yeah, and he's so good, yeah. But he's not a different human being in every yeah, role yeah. that he touches. Like mm-hmm. my acting teacher used to say, he would list off five different Meryl Streep roles, and then he'd go, none of them have ever met. And you go, okay, and you list off five Leonardo DiCaprio, and it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, they've met. Yeah. Sure. Meryl's a I method actor. Yeah. She's a method actor. Yeah. yeah. There's a, um, yeah. She's one, she really is, uh, she could be the greatest actor of all time. She's outstanding. She could be the, up there. Yeah. I mean, Kate, this year after seeing Tar, she is Have you seen tremendous. Tar? Tar? No, not yet. Just no, that's the new one with the little tick above the A, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's hair. It's incredible. You're so uncultured. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's the performance of the year. She's incredible. Like, it's, it's so good. I highly recommend it for anyone who loves acting. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that one yet. I haven't She's actually great. heard anything about that. It's not getting a lot of mouth. word of mouth, but yeah, it's not it's not a profitable film, but it's yeah. it's uh, my I think it's the best film so far this year. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. yeah. Tar. Tar. Yeah. Check it out. Anyways, even above Top Gun. Well, and... Top Gun's my favorite. Oh, interesting. But Top, just Top Gun's good, yeah. bro. Top Gun is my, my love. But this episode's yeah. good because we got to wrap this up right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're about 90 good. minutes in. Thanks for coming on the show, Justin. Oh, hold on. Now I, gotta, I have to do the train. I forgot. Yeah, I was he's like, like, he's going to do his uh, yeah, yeah, video yeah. for TikTok. Train. Train. You guys are talking yeah. about like Leonardo or something. And, yeah. it, and it's like, no, no, no. Hold on. I gotta. I have to chime in on this. We're going to go like this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what's up? What? Okay, now I'm gonna try just just to make sure in case I fucked it up. <laughs> Here we are. All right, let's let's talk. Let's, let's talk about Leo. Leo. Okay, <laughs> we love the guy. We love. Him. Wow, we just, did, we just did a TikTok. First ever TikTok. First TikTok. Well, there you go. During, during an episode. Oh, yeah. oh, that's great. Justin, plug your stuff. Where can where can people find you? You can find me Justin Tate T A I T E, not like Sharon Tate. It's. Mm-hmm. T-A-T-E, Justin Tate, T-A-I-T-E, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. Um, that's basically it. Well, thanks I for coming so. on the show, pal. Yeah. That was a good chat. Yeah. I'm hey man, I'm I want to come back. I I was so here, excited right? about this. I'm Isn't like, it yeah, cozy? It's so fun. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Shooting the shit for a half hour, then get into westerns. We'll we'll do something else next time. But thanks for yeah, coming absolutely. on the show. Everyone listening, the best way to support the show is to become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Thanks for your support. Thanks for tuning in around the world. Take care, everybody. This episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast was executive produced by our chosen one patrons. Luke Exelston, Tyler McFly, Darren Singleton, Anthony DeMeo, John A. Graz, Becca Keene, Cody Moen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Cam. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.